0: Generations Church, so happy you're here with us today. I'm Alex. Whether you're joining us online in the safety and comfort of your home, or you're with us outside in the Generations parking lot, in person, socially distanced, we're just happy you're here. We're happy to be able to worship together as a body of Christ. Um, if you are a guest today and this is your first time checking us out, welcome. We have a gift for you. Uh, it's a book called Frustrated, written by Pastor Jeff. You'll see him here in just a moment. Um, it's about how the Bible resolves life's toughest questions. We just want to give this to you as a thank you. Uh, for coming by so if you could just leave us a comment in the video saying that you're here that you're new it's your first time um, we'd like to mail this out to you or if you'd like we have a Generations Church app if you would like to download into the app store uh, search Generations Church you'll find our app there it's got a little keystone on it Um, you can check in and click if you're a first or second time guest and we'll be able to get your information and mail you to you that way Um, if you call Generations Church your home you know about this app you can just pull that app up and hit that check-in button. Let us know you're here with us this morning. Uh, It helps us better care for you as the church. Um, In the notes, uh, I'm sorry, in the app, you'll also see that there's a notes section in the app. It has all the notes for today's sermon. Uh, So if you wanted to check that out, as well as a Bible app on there for you, Uh, for your convenience, and there's also a way for you to give. Um, At Generations Church, we understand that giving is a way of worship. We want to give that opportunity for you uh, just to continue to worship in any way that we can, social distanced or not. There's a way to do that on the app. Um, Without further ado, I'd actually like to call Pastor Jeff up and uh, pray for the message. Ah, Lord God, thank you for this morning. You are so great. You are so wonderful. Um, we just praise you uh, and thank you for having the opportunity to just proclaim how great you are, regardless of circumstances, whether we're, it's here online or, or in person. Father, you've made a way, and nothing will stop us from proclaiming how great you are. Um, as we dive into your word this morning, I uh, just pray that you open our hearts and reveal to us what you would like uh, to be revealed, Father. Um, be with Jeff as he preaches, and just may your spirit fill this room, fill our homes. Um, may we just hear you. In Jesus' name we pray.
1: Amen. Amen. Thank you, Alex. Welcome. Good morning. If you're joining us online today, we're really glad you're with us. And I want to ask you, and I, and I did this last week, we're going to start getting in this habit, if you will. Will you stand up with me? And yes, I know, even if you're home and you're comfortable on your couch, please do me a favor and stand up. And, and what we're doing is just, I want to read a passage that is important to the section we're in today. And, and we stand up as a way of, of just kind of giving respect and honor to God's word. We, we stand up to recognize it's God's word over us that has authority. It's not me, it's not ourselves and what we believe, but it's what God says. And so as we enter into, as we continue in our series through Exodus, as we work our way through this book and follow God's people as they wind their way through a journey Uh, We remember the journey that we're in, whether that journey is coronavirus, which is really the defining thing right now, But, but even so, some of the bigger things like presidential elections, Supreme Court justices, racism and justice and police and all the things that are going on as we work our way through our journey, the question is always, where are we following God? What are we doing to hear from God that we might be God's people here in the culture today revealing God to others? And so I want to read this, so as you stand, this is in Exodus chapter 26, and this will be kind of where we conclude the message today. I'm going to read from verse 30 to 30 for the first part of 35. It says this, then you shall erect the tabernacle according to the plan forth that you were shown on the mountain, and you shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns of fine twined linen, and it shall be made with cherubim skillfully worked into it. And you shall hang it on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold and with hooks of gold and these four bases of silver. And you shall hang the veil from the clasp and bring the ark of the testimony in there within the veil. And the veil shall separate, this is the important part, and the veil shall separate for you the holy place from the most holy place. You shall put the mercy seat on the ark of the testimony in the most holy place and you shall set the table outside the veil and the lampstand, and the rest outside the veil. And this is God's word. Would you pray with me, please? God, as we, as we look back into the story of humanity, God's people following you, winding, just almost wandering in some senses through a desert. Yes, of course, you're leading them. You know exactly where you're going, but the people felt like a wandering season. This, is, this book is the first year of a 40-year journey Uh, And Lord, even as I say this, I say, Lord, don't let coronavirus or anything else we're working through right now be a 40-year journey. Lord, help us today. Help us to be your people today. Just as Exodus has been revealing to us who you are, now you're also including who we are to be for you. And today, as you powerfully teach us about the separation of a holy God and sinful humanity, you, you provide powerful reconciliation. Jesus, will you reveal how we are reconciled to God in your flesh? Let that speak loudly to our lives today, Lord. We thank you, Jesus, because you are our hope, you are our reconciliation, you are our redemption, you are our Savior. It's in your name we pray. Amen. You guys can have a seat. Thank you for for doing that. Again, thank you for showing that honor, that respect, that trust in God's Word. As As I just said, as we were praying, we're in this series of Exodus, and we've been We've been asking the question, how does God reveal himself, or what does God do to teach us in this season that we're in right now, in unique ways, ways that we may not be able to see God in a normal season. And so just as the Israelites are now at the bottom of Mount Sinai, they're out in the wilderness, they're a people without a home, they don't have a nation, a land, a city, a home, and they are traveling through a wilderness, and they're living in tents, and now What God is going to talk about today is the setting up of a tabernacle, really a tent church, if you will, for the house of God. But there's some unique insight that we can take from it that is very modern to our setting today. And so we're asking God, teach us, please. So here's our starting idea, our main idea for the the day, incarnation, uniting God and humanity. The division between God and man that resulted from sin is overcome in Jesus. God and humanity are united physically in Christ's body as well as spiritually at the cross. So incarnation is when Jesus becomes flesh for us, when Jesus enters into human history in human flesh, right? 2,000 years ago, the very thing we will be, and I can't believe I'm saying these words, we will be celebrating soon. And I pray and I hope that we'll be able to gather and do something unique more than just what we're doing now. But either way, no matter what, we will celebrate the incarnation of Christ when Christ became flesh. And today our main idea, as I just said, that the division between God and humanity is reconciled in Christ. That Jesus is both God and man, literally uniting humanity and divinity all in one person and then spiritually reconciling us to God through his life, death, and resurrection. And so we will see that in the Old Testament form in Exodus. And so we're in Exodus chapter 24, so back up one page from 26. And I'm going to start in verse 1. Of course, if you have our app, you can follow along. We have a Bible built in there for you. And all our notes and slides, anything we put on the screen, also in the app so that you have it. Verse 1 says, then he said to Moses, meaning God said to Moses, come up to the Lord, you and Aaron, Nadab, and Abihu, that's Aaron's sons, and 70 of the elders, and worship from afar. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near, and the people shall not come up with him. So I want you to hear this this setting. So they're at the bottom of Mount Sinai, and Mount Sinai is the place where God has given the Ten Commandments and the laws that follow. Mount Sinai is where God keeps calling Moses back up the mountain, and then he consumes the mountain in fire and smoke and rumbling and and, and literally like earthquakes and just this crazy scene set over Mount Sinai. And Moses goes up, but... God keeps telling the people to remain down there. And so he says, come up to the Lord now. He says, but worship from afar, right? Now Moses, you guys are going to come up part of the way, but you're going to worship from far away. Moses alone shall come near to the Lord, but the others shall not come near. What's taking place here, and and we've covered this in past messages, but if you're just joining us maybe today for the the first time, and didn't catch those. The, the sinfulness of humanity is the very thing that doesn't allow us into the physical presence of God. And so God has selected a man in Moses to be a mediator, to go to God on behalf of the people, and then for God to send him back down, and he will go to the people on God's behalf. And so Moses ascends and descends the mountain as the messenger of God, really as we Look forward to Christ to come, who Christ, who ascends down from heaven and becomes flesh for us, right? And then he proclaims the message of God for, for 33 years or so, He proclaims the message of God, and then eventually is crucified for our sin and then hung on a cross and, and, and buried in a grave, and then resurrected to overcome all things that we struggle with. And then as Jesus remains on earth and spends weeks presenting himself alive again, resurrected, living eternally. Then we see Jesus ascend back up into heaven. So just like Moses will come down the mountain, speak for God, go back up, right? Jesus eternally comes down and satisfies all that we need in our Savior and then ascends back to his throne where he reigns and rules today. So this is the image of of Moses the prophet speaking to God's people God's words with God's authority that's his job so he says come up bring some friends bring Nadeb and Abihu bring Aaron bring some of the elders and then worship from afar so I want you to have a clear image of worship not being in person which I know if you're listening to this right now you understand not worshiping in person but it's different you and I are not worshiping together because of COVID right because of a pandemic because of a virus but this is God saying, God, God saying, you can't come near to God. Because of your sin, because of your flaws, because of your brokenness, you may not be in the presence of God. So you can come near, but not in, right? And so that's going to be kind of our image today. Some of us are worshiping outside right now, and that we are, that we are gathering together outside. We can't be inside. We're gathering together outdoors and having this kind of parking lot drive-in service, and then others are worshiping online. And I want you to keep that idea in mind, but imagine it's not because of a virus or governmental restrictions. It's because God has said you may not come in the building because I am holy and you are sinful and separated. And so use that as an image as we work through this passage today. Imagine you weren't allowed in the building ever. And it wasn't a virus, but it was your sin, the the virus of sin that lives within us, right? Verse 3 says, Moses came and told the people all the words of the Lord and all the rules, and, and the people answered with one voice and said, all the words that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And so, what is the response of God's people when Moses tells them, hey, God says this and do this, where I have no other gods? Don't make any idols that try to represent me. Don't use my name in common ways, just only in holy ways. And remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Work for six days and then take a day to glorify, honor me, draw your family near to me. And then honor your father and mother. Don't commit murder, don't steal, Don't you know, all those things, right? Love God, love one another. He comes up with all of this and, and God is, has given all this to Moses and Moses is taking it down to the people and Moses is ascending and descending and, and just being that go-between that, that mediator, for God. And the people, what is their response? They say, we shall obey everything that God has called us to do. Now, I know if you, as you hear those words, you're like, I bet that doesn't last very long, right? And we're going to see that it isn't, it isn't all that, it's, that they would hope it to be. But before we judge them, let us remember that we too have the commandments of God, and we too fall short of everything God calls us to. And so this is the human sin condition and so when God says, you can't come inside the building because you're sinful, you can't be in my presence directly because you're sinful, then we have to understand that it's not just them or those people, these crazy people that couldn't get it right, it's, it's us. It's us, the crazy people that can't get it right. It's us, the church, right? So verse 4 says, and Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. He rose early in the morning and built an altar at the foot of the mountain and twelve pillars according to the twelve tribes of Israel. So, Imagine Moses, he has been in God's presence and he's, he's learned all this from God and he's capturing it and he's, he's writing it down and, and I know that we live so far in the future and I just imagine on my iPad, I'm just trying to capture all this and write it all down. I don't want to forget what God has told me. I want to be able to, to pass it on correctly. And literally Moses is writing this book for us, capturing this for us. Verse five, it says, and he sent young men of the people of Israel who offered burnt offerings and sacrificed peace offerings to, of oxen to the Lord. And Moses took half of the blood and put it in basins, and half of the blood he threw against the altar. You're going to hear this a lot from me, and it, it's because it comes up a lot. As God speaks, as God reveals himself in, in character ways or in, in ways that are miraculous or in ways that teach us how to live, as God does that, There is a unique and consistent response of the people. The people respond in worship. The people sacrifice. When when God shows up in our lives, our our natural tendency should be to worship. It should be to sacrifice or give or give of ourselves or give financially or serve or something. We should give back, right? God shows up, though, all the time. God shows up to speak even, even over the Internet through messages. God Shows up all the time and, and so our natural responses should be to worship. That we should be worshipers, prone to worship, caused to worship, move towards worship because of who God is and because of what God does. Because he has been so good to us, because he has reconciled us to himself through Jesus, we should be driven to worship. I know we're excited, and we have the opportunity to worship with Pastor Paul today as our new worship pastor, and we're excited about that, and, and we are eager to, again, be worshiping in person and do all those things, but whether you're online or outdoors, it, it, we love worship, and, and we are investing in that direction of, of helping us as a church to be more worshipful, and it's because As we see this all the time throughout Scripture, God acts on our behalf, and then our response needs to be worship. And so just as we have someone to to cover, just teach us what is God's Word, then then we're asking a pastor, hey, teach us. Teach us how to worship too. And so we're excited to embark on that journey. So these young men sacrifice and worship, and and Moses has got them, they're offering sacrifice to God, and, and Moses takes half the blood, and he collects it, and then the other half, he threw against the altar, and that is a, a sin offering. He is, he is throwing this blood against the altar as, as a sacrifice, as an as a offering to God in order to cover sin. There's this, this obviously gets developed throughout Moses' life. Verse 7, And then he took the book of the covenant. Notice that is capitalized, and it's what Moses is writing. It's what we're reading, right? It, it, he took the book of the covenant, and he read it in the hearing of the people, and they said, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do, and we will be obedient. So what do they say again? As Moses is collecting what God is doing and saying and teaching them, they, all that God has called us to, we will obey. We will do that. Now, of course, they're not going to complete, completely do that well, right? Just like we're not going to do that in our lives, we're going to be flawed. And if you're just joining us today, if you're our guest today, if you're not maybe a Christian today, or you're just not familiar with our church just know that we lead with the fact that we're not perfect, that we lead, that we're sinful, that we fall short of what God has called us to, that we want to be transparent in that, and and that you don't look to us to think like we act like we got it together, because though we have Jesus, we also know our flaws. And so this is that moment where they're confessing they're going to be obedient, but we all know they're going to fall short. Verse 8, and it says, And Moses took the blood, and he threw it on the people, and he said, Behold, the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance with all these words. right? So this covenant blood, and covenants in the Old Testament are the the strongest word for promise or oath or agreement amongst people. And there was often a sacrifice made in the midst of this, and it was, was, here are the terms of the covenant. And, And God has already given the terms of the covenant. And He said, listen, if you do what I call you to do, if you remember back at in Leviticus 19, then I will make you a kingdom of priests, a holy nation, right? I will make you into my people, right? And then here's how you live. You follow my commandments. And so they're agreeing to follow God's commandments. They're agreeing to not have any other gods and, and to not fashion an idol trying to say this is what God looks like, or not use God's name in common ways, but only in holy, worshipful ways. And, and to take a day, one day a week, and devote it to God, and to honor their parents, and not to murder, and not to steal, not to covet, not to have affairs. That just this is what they're saying. And so Moses says, so here's the covenant, and they slaughter these animals, these young men that are worshipers, and offer these sacrifices, and then part of the blood goes on the altar, representing God, and then the other part goes on the people, and it sounds really weird in our modern day mind, but this is a covenant moment in the Old Testament. This covenant, behold the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you in accordance to all these words. Like these, these are the rules of the covenant. Like when we look at a contract or when we have a, um, we're online and it says, do you agree to these terms? Right? We, here's the rules of our relationship, and that's what God has provided The covenant is a foreshadowing of Christ to come. The the gospel is this. There's a God who creates us, loves us, designs us, knows us, and has created us to be a specific way, right? He's created us to be obedient, created us to be ones who glorify God, bring glory. Our whole lives bring glory to God. That's what living the life of a worshiper means, that we, with all our life, give glory to God. But all of us know we've sinned, we've fallen short of that. The Bible teaches that everyone sins, that we inherit the sin of every person who's ever come before us, and then we add to it. And then the next person is born, we, they, they get our sin, they get the inheritance of sin from Adam forward, that they're born in sin, that they're born enslaved to sin. But God says, listen, because of your sin, you are separated from me, Right? Worship from afar, God says. Stay there because you can't be in my presence. My presence will consume you. You'll die because of your sin. But the story doesn't stop there. God provides a way. And so God provides Jesus, the incarnation. Jesus comes. Jesus, God who is creator, the eternal Second person of the Trinity, Jesus, who was there before creation, who helped make everything that is made, who has always been, who has no beginning, Jesus, that Jesus God, becomes flesh. Jesus is born into human flesh, fully God and fully human, a mystery walking in a child or born in a child, and then lives a sinless life, the life that you and I are called to live but fail. And then he dies a substitutionary death. He dies in our place. Remember that. Worship from afar because if you come near to worship, if you worship closely, you'll die. So instead, Jesus takes our death. He covers our sin. He is buried in a grave so that we know the sin is covered, right? That blood, that blood that's been thrown on the altar and this other blood that covers us, that's foreshadowing Christ's blood to come. That Jesus comes and his blood satisfies the fulfillment of all the covenant. No more animal sacrifices. We don't sacrifice animals in church because it's not because it's weird and gross and we don't do that, though that's true. It's because Jesus has satisfied the blood of the covenant that our salvation covenant grace has been given to us because of Jesus. The covenant has been fulfilled. We are now covered with Christ's blood and and Christians say that and sing songs that reference that and sometimes people hear that and it sounds incredibly weird. Why are we talking about blood in this way? And it's this, that as a fulfillment of the covenant, as a symbol and a sign of the covenant, we are covered with Christ's blood. Meaning, now, in Christ, the covenant is fulfilled, and we need to unpack what that means today. But I'm going to stay before this. I want to stay in this moment where Worship from afar is the rule. Only Moses can come up into my presence. You're excluded. You must worship from home or worship in the parking lot. You, you can't worship in here. God says you can't be in here because of your sin, not because of a virus. You're not allowed in my presence, God says. So I want to stay in that space. I just want us to think like that. Like imagine your live stream or I'll imagine your outdoor worship is because God will not allow you in his presence. It's like we can look at the church, we can live stream from the church, but we can't go inside the church building because God's presence is there and God won't allow us in. Think like that for this here. I want to read to you two things. This is one I quoted earlier. Exodus 19 says this, this is God saying, Now, therefore, if you indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, you shall be my treasured possession among all the people's. For all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. Here's what I give them in the covenant. You'll be my people. You'll be my kingdom. You'll be priests. You'll be the ones who go up on the mountain and talk to me and then go out to the people. You'll go to the people on behalf of God, and then you'll go to God on behalf of those people. You'll become that as a nation. Your nation will be that. It won't be just Moses. It'll be all of you if you obey my commands. And then Revelation 1 says this, to Him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by His blood and has made us a kingdom, priest to His God and Father, to Him be the glory and dominion forever and ever, amen. This is all fulfilled in Jesus. It's Christ's blood that make that happen. The reason we come into church And we can be in God's presence, or we stay home and we're in the presence of God at home, is because of Jesus, because his blood covers us, because we are no longer ostracized from the presence of God because of Jesus, no longer have to live stream, have to be outdoors because of our sin. God says, Come into my presence, but we're not there yet. We're in Exodus, and God is saying, Worship from afar. Jesus hasn't come yet. You're covered with the blood of an animal, foreshadowing of Christ. So worship from down the mountain. Only Moses can come up. Verse 9, back in Exodus. Then Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders of Israel went up and they they saw the God of Israel. And I want to pause there. Listen to this. So God says worship from afar. And then God calls some of the leadership up into this, this smoking, crazy mountain up Mount Sinai. And then it says this. And they saw... The God of Israel. Now, one, that's impossible, right? And one, it's true. Two, it's impo- You can't see the holy God, the living God. And so listen to what takes shape here. And I want to read you this verse out of John 1. For the law was given through Moses. So John, the gospel of John, that writes about Jesus, the close friend of Jesus while he was alive, writes this. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, No one has ever seen God. The only God who is at the Father's side, He, meaning Jesus, has made Him known. John helps us understand what's going on back in Moses' day. Because he knows, and all of Israel knows, you can't see God. You can't see God and live. So instead, they get to see God, but what they see is Jesus. And so just pause for a minute and ask yourself, okay, so if Jesus is Creator, is God who is eternal, but then 2,000 years ago, Jesus is born into human flesh, Where was Jesus between here and there? Well, Jesus was always there. Jesus shows up on Sinai. Jesus reveals himself to Moses. Jesus speaks to Abraham back in Abraham's day in Genesis. That's why in the Gospel of John later on, Jesus will say before Abraham was born, I am. I was. I am. I'm eternal. Abraham saw me and knew me, Jesus says in the Gospel of John because Jesus shows up throughout the Old Testament and he shows up with this human form and he reveals himself to people because you cannot see God the Father and live only through Christ so Jesus shows up revealing God to them so verse 9 let's start back at that then Moses and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu and 70 of the elders so these 73 4 people excuse me 74 people go up a little bit and they saw the God of Israel they see Jesus there was under his feet As it were, a pavement of sapphire stone, like the very heaven for clearness. Not to bombard you with scriptures. But this image of Jesus' feet also happens in Revelation. This image of Sapphire also happens in Revelation as we see Jesus ascend back to glory in Revelation. Remember, Revelation is not a book about what's to come. It's about what always happens. It's revealing Jesus today with some things that are still yet to happen. But for the most part, who is Jesus today is Revelation. We know that this is Jesus that Moses saw. So why is this so important to the story? I'll give you a slide, and, and I was able to just teach this to my high school students that were doing this class on doctrine or on beliefs. And we talked about the states of Christ, right? Jesus created everything before entering into human flesh. And then understanding the gospel includes knowing where Jesus was and is throughout history. Seeing Jesus meet with Moses helps understand the power and the promise of the gospel, right? The states of Christ. Where was Jesus in creation? Where was Jesus between creation and incarnation when Jesus becomes flesh? The thing we're talking about today, incarnation, when Jesus makes everything right. Well, we actually get glimpses of Jesus in between then. And then now, today, we get glimpses in Revelation of who Jesus is today. We also get the same thing, who Jesus is today, in Acts, in Hebrews. The Bible teaches us who is the ascended, reigning, glorified King, Jesus, Verse 11, it says, and he did not lay his hand on the chief men of the peoples of Israel. They beheld God and they ate and they drank. This is about Moses and the others seeing and meeting Jesus. This is about them seeing him so that he could reveal God to them. This is about them being in the presence of God and not being consumed by God. Remember, Jesus is that mediator. Jesus is how we get to God. This is, Jesus is how we learn about God. But Jesus is also how we are not consumed by the holiness of God. Verse 12 says, The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and wait there, that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and the commandment which I have written for their instruction. So the elders and Aaron and Nadab and Abihu, they, they go up a little bit with Moses and they get to see. A glimpse of Jesus revealing God's glory to them. And they can't go any further because they're still sinful, right? You just you can only come to the outside of the building. You can't come in, God says, because you're sinful humanity and I'm a holy God. And somehow Jesus meets them at the door and gives them this amazing vision. And he meets them there and reveals God to them. But then the elders and the priests, Aaron and his sons, have to go away. Moses is called in, up, 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 up Mount Sinai or Inside the building, Moses is called into the presence of God. Verse 13. So Moses rose with his assistant Joshua, and Moses went up into the mountain of God. And he said to the elders, wait here for us until we return to you. And behold, Aaron and her are with you. Whoever has a dispute, let, go, let, them, let him go to them. This is a, a, a verse that sounds really good. Like here, here's how you're going to fix things in my absence, right? Like if you have a problem, go to Aaron, go to Hur, like they'll be there for you. But this is that verse that kind of lets us know what's also going to happen. Because as Moses goes up this time, the people who have sworn we're going to obey God, we're going to do everything he's commanded, they're going to violate the most basic commands God gives them. Don't worship any other gods. Don't make any images of me. And they're going to do that. They're going to make the golden calf I'm sure you've heard of. They're going to do that as Moses goes up. And at this moment, right, just understand how God has provided for them and given the, it's at the law and the commandments. Now God is saying, Moses, come up. I'm going to write them down for you. You know how you wrote down the book? I'm going to write them down for you. Like the handwriting of God's going to be given to the people. How amazing is that? And, and they can't wait. Well, Moses is up the mountain. They're going to fall short. Verse 15, then Moses went up on the mountain And the cloud covered the mountain, and the glory of the Lord dwelt on Mount Sinai, and the the cloud covered it six days. And on the seventh day, he called to Moses out of the midst of the cloud. Now the appearance of the glory of the Lord was like a devouring fire on the top of the mountain in the sight of the people of Israel. Moses entered into the cloud and went up on the mountain, and Moses was on the mountain 40 days and 40 nights. Moses goes into this fiery mountain as God calls him up. Right? When, when, the, when the leaders get to see God, it's a human with feet and, and revealing God to them. But it's God, it's Jesus, right? It is the second person of the Trinity, the triune God. It is Jesus, the Son of God, before He was incarnate or before He was in flesh. And so they get to see this tame vision of God not consuming them, not consuming causing them fear and then they're told to go away and Moses goes up into the presence of God and fire consumes Mount Sinai again and the presence of God again is a is a, is a scary thing a, a thing that a thing that will devour you if you get too close that only Moses is allowed to do again imagine you can't come in the building or you will die as you walk through a door because God's holiness will devour you. And imagine like the building was just constantly on fire with God's presence. Imagine the fear. And there's just remember, we talked about this in leadership. Like there's some scary things about leadership and in, in faith, church leadership. Like there's God calls us to do some scary things sometimes. Like go up into the crazy fiery mountain. But then if we trust God, we get to see amazing things too. And that's just not true, just that's not just true for pastors. It, It's true for all of us as we mature in our faith. God will call us to do things that that sound frightening sometimes, maybe, and are probably. But we also get to see incredible things that God does through those moments. Moses has a relationship with God that is incredible, who has seen things I have not seen, amazing things, crazy and scary things, but amazing things. Exodus chapter 25, verse 1, it says, the Lord said to Moses, speak to the people of Israel, that they take for me a contribution from every man whose heart moves him, you shall, you shall receive the contribution for me. So, God is telling Moses, go down the mountain now and ask them to give, right? Like, church giving is very simple. Some churches pass a plate or, uh, or do whatever, have an offering bucket. We, for right now, obviously, with coronavirus, we've just been all digital, all online giving. And you should have just received your second quarter giving statements um, probably about a month ago. And, and our church, I just want to say thank you first off. Our church has been generous. Throughout coronavirus, our church has, has been generous. You've enabled us to, go, uh, to, to grow and to, to move forward, enabled us to hire someone like Pastor Paul, like we were talking about earlier, or even Alex, our, our, our youth guy, just adding to uh, our team, with Lily on our team. Just, you've enabled, you've made that possible. And this is us being obedient to God when we give, when we tithe, when we give financially to God, or when we give of our time and our service and all the things that God gives, calls us to do, to, to give financially, to give of our, our giftedness, to give of our time. God calls us to all of that. And when we do that, we, we do that out of obedience to God. And so God is teaching this to Moses. Moses, when you go back down the mountain, you're going to ask them for contributions because we're going to do the next thing. The next project is up. And God is going to now instruct Moses to build a tabernacle. Remember, right now Moses is up on Mount Sinai, and God's presence is out on, on Mount Sinai, and this, this mountain's encapsulated in fire. God is going to tell Moses, I want you to build for me a mobile church, right? a tabernacle, a tent, if you will. And my presence will be in that tent. And you're going to build for me a place among the people. So now, not removed from the people, but now I've given them a law. I've made a covenant with them. We've covered them in blood as a part of the covenant. Now I'm going to go be with the people, among the people in a guarded tent, if you will. So verse three, and this is the contribution that you shall receive from them. Gold, silver, bronze, blue, purple, scarlet, yarns, and fine twined linen, goat's hair, tanned ramskins, skins, goat's sins, acacia wood, oil for the lamp, spices for the anointing oil, and fragrant incense, onyx stones, and stones for the setting For the ephod and for the breastpiece, those will be priestly garments. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst, exactly as I'm showing you concerning the pattern of the tabernacle and all of its furniture, so you shall make it. So God says, go down and and, and take a collection, an offering from the people. Let them give up gold and silver and and, and jewels and and wood and all the things that we're going to need. And you're going to build me a sanctuary. The very thing we call this, a sanctuary worship space a space of holiness where god is right we not in not in the only place where god is but we call this place where we meet with god this sanctuary and it's that old testament understanding of a holy space a worship space and it's going to exist inside 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 of something else inside of a tent and so god is going to give instruction to moses and we're going to skip through some of it and go quickly through it but verse 10 they shall make an ark of acacia wood, two cubits and a half shall be its length, a cubit and a half is its breadth, and a cubit and a half its height. And you shall overlay it with pure gold inside and outside, and you shall overlay it, and you shall make of it a molding of gold around it. You shall cast four rings of gold for it, and put them on its four feet, and two rings on one side, and two rings on the other side. So you're going to make this ark of the covenant, is what it's called. And this ark is this, this long thing, kind of kind of looking back to Noah's Ark, this, this long, gigantic thing, but it, it will be a small version. And, and on it will be these angels. And these angels will be pointing inward and the mercy seat will be in the middle of it. And, and right there, surrounded by angels, like when we get stories in the Bible, when we get glimpses into heaven and the angels are surrounding God and, and crying out, holy, 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 and worshiping God, it'll be that. And so you're going to make this place right here And you're going to make this ark, and this is going to be the seat, the center of holiness. And the angels surrounding it, covering it, will give us an image inside of this, of the throne room in heaven. Verse 13, you shall make poles of acacia wood and overlay them with gold, and you shall put the poles into rings on the sides of the ark to carry them. This is going to be the the place where God's presence is, and, and so you can't touch it. You have to put poles through it, and you have to carry it so that you never touch it, he says. Verse 15, the poles shall remain in the rings of the ark, they shall not be taken out, and you shall put into it the ark, and into the ark, the testimony that I shall give you. You shall make a mercy seat of pure gold, two cubits and a half will be its length, and a cubit and a half its breadth, and you shall make two cherubim, or angels, of gold, of hammered work, so you shall make them on the two ends of the mercy seat, one cherub on one end, and one cherub on the other end, one of the... Of on the, of the on the on one of one piece with the mercy seat, you shall make the cherubim on its two ends. The cherubim shall spread out their wings above, overshadowing the mercy seat with their wings. Their faces one to another toward the mercy seat shall the faces of the cherubim be, and you shall put the mercy seat on the top of the ark. And in the ark you shall put the testimony that I will give you. Remember, God's handwriting is going to give Moses. It's going to go inside the ark. Right? It's not going to be. It's not common. It's holy. We're not going to profane it or make it common by passing around with people or leaving it outside. It's going to go inside the ark. And the angels are going to cover over the mercy seat. Even when God's presence is there, the angels are covering it. This is the most holy place. This is imagery of God's throne in heaven, the beauty of all of that, and the angels worshiping and surrounding God. Verse 22, it says, And there I will meet with you, And from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the ark of the testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of Israel. There will be a place of meeting. There I will meet with you, God says. Right? Remember, God is only on Mount Sinai. And he is removed from the people, but he's made a covenant with the people. I will be your God. You will be my people. And if you obey me, I will make you a great nation, a holy nation, a set-apart nation, a nation of priests, a people that go out to the world on my behalf, if you obey. And so God is now moving his presence from removed from them to near them. It's like going from online church at home to now worshiping outdoors here with us. It's like making that shift to closer But we're still not with, we're still not touching. We're still not together with God. God's holiness is covered by the walls of the tabernacle or sanctuary or tent, like the building. So we're going to skip a long, detailed passage today where they make a table for the meeting and they make a lampstand to give light and they make a a tabernacle, the actual tent that goes over it and covers it. And then they make curtains. And these curtains will be inside to separate a special room. The holy place will be separated from the most holy place, the furthest interior place. Verse 20, uh, Exodus 26, verse 30 says this. This is what we read at the beginning. Then you shall erect the tabernacle according to the plan for it that you were shown on the mountain, and you shall make a veil of blue and purple and scarlet yarns and fine twined linen. It shall be made with cherubim, skillfully worked into it. Remember, surrounding God or these angels, even in these curtains, these veils, Angels represented around God. 32, and you shall hang on it on four pillars of acacia overlaid with gold with hooks of gold on four bases of silver and you shall hang the veil from the clasp and bring the ark of the testimony in there within the veil and the veil shall separate for you the holy place from the most holy. You shall put the mercy seat on the ark of the testimony in the most holy place and you shall set the table outside the veil And the lampstand. So here's what God is saying. Listen, I'm going to move my presence from removed from you up on the mountain. I'm going to bring it down into the people. These are my covenant people. So I'm going to make a space where I'm nearer to them. If they will obey my words, if they will obey my commandments, I will be their God and I will be with them. Right? And so this tent, this mobile tent, so as they move, they'll pack it up, they'll relocate it, they'll set it up and then God's presence will descend again. But when it comes in, when it comes in, it'll be inside in the further innermost part, the holy of holies is where God's presence will exist. And around, all the way around God's presence are these thick, ornate, and decorated veils or curtains. These things that hang and they are they separate you from God. Even the priests that go in, into the holy space, into the tabernacle, inside of it, that they go in, they're still separated from God's presence because God's presence is consuming. Holiness cannot be with our sinful humanity. And so God says you still got to remain separated. I just want to, and again, I want, I want you to imagine, imagine your church experience. And if you've ever been here uh, before coronavirus or whatever, if you worshiped in this building, we even opened up in June for four weeks, if you've ever been in here, just imagine the distinction. Imagine going to church was God's going to be inside here, inside the building. But you're not allowed in. You have to stay outside because of your sin. Because of your illness. And there was, there was lots of things, your moral purity or your sin or your ritual purity like illness, like, like the virus almost, would keep you because God's holiness and perfection can't be around flawed, broken humanity. And so it'd be like going to church by showing up every week and church happened inside, God's presence inside and we had to stay outside. But we showed up and we came outside of it to be near, to be near God but not with God. That's not what we do. See, we show up and our desire is to not only be with one another, but to be with God in a unique way. You see, the gospel, Jesus coming and satisfying the the penalty for sin and taking sin upon Himself and His his blood covering us. We live 2,000 years on the other side of the incarnation of God. The God become flesh on the other side of that. We live and so we miss That for thousands of years, God's people worshipped around God, but not with God. That they were around the presence of God, but they could not be in the presence of God. And sometimes we miss that because of Jesus, we are so blessed that we are able to come into the presence of God, whether that be in the home, or in the church, or in our parking lot, or wherever it might be. Jesus says, when two or more gathered, there I am in the midst of you, my presence in the midst of you. And so what changed? How come now? Why now? Do we get to worship in the presence of God and they could only be near, but not with? It's right here. It's in Mark chapter 15. It says this, and when the sixth hour had come, so Jesus is on the cross in this passage, when the sixth hour had come, there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour. Three hours of darkness cover the land. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is what Jesus cries out in a loud voice. And it says, and Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last breath. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from the top to the bottom. And when the centurion stood facing him, facing Jesus, dead on the cross, saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, This was the Son of God. Here's what happens on the cross. Jesus cries out, one, it is finished. I've accomplished all that God has sent me to do to redeem and reconcile people to God. The presence can now be. And when God pours out the penalty of sinful flesh being in His place, when when Jesus takes our penalty, our sin upon Him, He feels for the first time ever the penalty, the wrath of God taken out on Him on the cross. And he, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Is Jesus cry. Why have you left me? And he's taking the penalty of human sin. And the presence of God is removed from Christ for the first time. This father separates. And then Jesus dies in that moment. And as all that takes place, this heart-wrenching, painful, incredible moment on the cross, what happens is God shreds the veil. And the separation of God's holiness and people, this holiness separated from broken people, God tears it because the penalty has been paid and Jesus has given his life that we might be in God's presence. We no longer have a holy of holies or a most holy place separate from us. We have the presence of God through Jesus Christ available to us. In fact, more so, better, Rather than God with us, or even Jesus alive 2,000 years ago with us, the only thing better than those two things is God inside of us. And Jesus says, as I ascend to go back to heaven, I'm going to place my spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. God will live in you. So if you're a follower of Jesus today, part of the promise of baptism is that you receive the Holy Spirit. God's Spirit lives in you. Not only are we not removed from God, Not only are we near God, or not only are we with God, God is in us. We become the tabernacle. We become God's presence to a broken and hurting world. Christians, hear this. God's separation is overcome by Christ's death. God tears the veil. It's torn from top to bottom. God tears it because Christ has covered everything that would separate us from God. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you, we thank you, we worship you. We worship in the presence of God. Jesus, whether we're at home, in the church, outside the church, doesn't matter. We worship in God's presence. We have access to God's presence. Hebrews says, Let us come with boldness into the presence of God because of Christ Jesus, not because we're any better, because we're just as sinful, but because Jesus, you have covered our sins, so thank you. Thank you seems inappropriate and weak. As a response. And so our response is worship. Our response is thankfulness. Our, our response is giving. Generosity, sacrifice, time, energy. We, we give. Because all we can do, because it doesn't seem like thank you, seems to be enough. And so we live our lives for you. We become the people of God that we're called to be, flawed as we may be. We do that in your presence, with your presence inside of us. Let us be those who go to the world on your behalf, God, and go to you on behalf of the world. Let us be those lights, those priests, those mediators on behalf of the world, Lord. Let us be your presence in this broken world. We love you, Jesus. It's in your name we pray, amen.